Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. You can also follow along on the YouVersion app under the live events. You'll find us there on the scriptures and place to take notes as well as on the back of your worship guide that you received today. Last week, we started the series Home for Christmas, and we looked at a non-traditional Christmas passage from John chapter 1, really all the way to John chapter 3, uh, in relation to God's gift to humanity in the form of Jesus, who left his home in heaven so that we could have a home in heaven, Jesus, that came into a dark world to be the light of the world. And it was that act of leaving home that set events in motion that we refer to as Christmas. And today we're going to talk about going home for Christmas from a more traditional passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 2. So you can turn there and we'll be there here in just a few minutes. I asked last week, how many people are going home for Christmas? And and uh, versus people that are staying home for Christmas. And it was about split, kind of half and half. And the, the, the crazy thing about it, the exciting thing about it, the fun thing about it was you could see the excitement on people's faces either way. The people that were going home for Christmas, they were excited. And they were looking, and like, you could see them, like, looking at the calendar, like, it's only six more days and four hours and 39 minutes until I, you know, get in the car and go. And the people that were staying home for Christmas had that same look of, I don't have to go anywhere. Christmas is coming to me. It's awesome. And uh, that's, that's kind of ironic that some people wish that they could go home while others wish they didn't have to. Some are excited about going home or some are, are glad they don't have to go anywhere. Some people are excited to be home with their entire family for Christmas and other people are excited when it's over. There's a whole range of emotions that come with Christmas and maybe this Christmas for you is a particularly difficult one. I often wondered why people travel at Christmas. It's kind of crazy to travel at Christmas. Why do we do it? There's clogged and crowded airports. There's busy highways. It's during the season of maybe bad weather, high gas prices. I think one reason that we do it is because home is at the heart of Christmas. Uh, regardless of where you are in life, a lot of people just really love the idea of home, whether it's going home, whether it's being home, staying home, having people come home. It's at the heart of the Christmas season, the heart of the Christmas story. Many people anticipate going home for others for Christmas. Others anticipate co others coming home. Some have said that the magic of home is that it feels good to leave, but it also feels good to come home. It's interesting the things that we anticipate and the things that we don't. When I was younger, I really enjoyed the summer. Uh, about from May until September was, was perfect. The sun goes down a little later. You can think of those evenings. I'm going to make some of you guys really, really jealous for, for summer right now. But those evenings of sitting on the back porch and roasting marshmallows around, you know, just a small fire. Not one that you need necessarily for warmth, but one that's perfect for roasting marshmallows. There's the longer days, the outdoors, camping, a break from school, adventure, change of routine. How many of y'all want to sign up for it right now? Take me there. <laughs> As I've gotten older, though, I've really 
gotten excited about the seasons from the end of August through the end of the year. And football's a big reason for that, right? Football's exciting. Unless you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, then it's misery, but that's another message for another day. As much as I enjoy the long days of summer, I kind of find it weird that the sun goes down at like 4 p.m. I like going home early. I like time at home. How many of you, if you're honest, you found yourself at home one of these evenings here over the last couple weeks, and like it's, it's 10 o'clock at night, and you're in your pajamas, but then you look at the clock, and it's really like 6 o'clock in the evening, right? But you're in your pajamas, and you're like, I'm staying here. It's kind of nice, actually. Holidays are another reason that I've grown to enjoy this time of year. We just had Thanksgiving. Christmas is coming. Family, there's something inside of me that anticipates this time of year coming. Christmas seems like it's running full speed at us. A lot of people are excited about Christmas. New Year will be here in just a few short days. 2020, there's anticipation of what is coming, right? I was telling Mike earlier before the service, if only winter would go by as fast as like this year is going by. Because like there's only a few days left of the year, but there's still months of winter. I don't know. seems like it's not going anywhere. Today I want to talk to you about that anticipation. Because many of us, we have moments of anticipation. Some of you are anticipating the last day of school. Anyone? Excited about that? I mean, you can stay in longer if you're not excited about it. Or the last day of work before you get a break or a little bit of vacation. The beginning of a vacation that you're about to take. You're going to load up the car. You're going to hop on a plane to those crowded airports and busy highways. For others, there's just the anticipation of the holiday itself. Maybe there's a party that you're hosting or one that someone else is hosting. Even better. Maybe you're anticipating things just slowing down for a few days and, and the simple things that often can get neglected in the middle of a busy time and season like a date night or a family game night or movie night. Maybe it's the countdown until somebody arrives. Today I want us to consider anticipation as we look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to read all the way from chapter from verse 1 to verse 20 in our, in our text today. We're going to take it a few verses at a time and really reflect on a well-known passage of scripture from Luke chapter 2. It says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. Now this passage of scripture starts with this decree regarding the census of the whole Roman world. Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. All of a sudden, Mary and Joseph are forced to go somewhere that they probably didn't want to go at the most inopportune time for them. Mary's eight and a half months pregnant, and this is a 70-mile trip, which seems like nothing to us, but we're not talking about 70 miles on I-25 from Cheyenne to Denver. We're not talking about just driving to Loveland in an air-conditioned car or, or a car with seat warmers and our favorite audiobook playing in the background, right? That's not what we're talking about when we talk about 70 miles here. We're talking about 70 miles of rough terrain with lots of hills. We're talking about a, a journey that would have had to have been made on foot or on an animal. And either way, 
Ladies, I don't know, but you tell me, eight and a half months pregnant, how many of you want to ride a donkey for 70 miles? Doesn't sound like fun to me, neither does walking 70 miles. That's not what the doctor said when he said you need to walk a little bit. Now, this is not good news for Joseph. We're going to talk about the angels and the message of good news of great joy. This wasn't it. Having to travel for the census wasn't the good news. For Joseph and Mary. Later on, you know, they're, they're going to talk about the joy and the hope and the excitement. They're going to get, we're going to get there, but, but right now, Mary and Joseph are not excited about going home for the census. But there's no choice for them because of the decree from Caesar, the emperor. Everyone had to go. Everyone living in any town that they weren't from had to go home. So you have people traveling all over the place. Crowded, not airports, donkey ports, I don't know. <laughs> People dealing with the census, and it just so happens, that was just for you, Hannah, special just for you. Just so happens that it comes from Mary as a time, she's nearing the time to have her baby. We don't have any record of Mary and Joseph protesting. There's no signs of them going to anti-Caesar campaigns or anything like that. There's no, no indication that they complained, but I can only imagine how inconvenient and distasteful this must have been. I can guarantee you they weren't singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> they may have been singing, Caesar got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> you really didn't want to talk politics around the dinner table with Mary and Joseph this Christmas. So in verse 6, it continues. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and, and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You and I breeze right through this so often, but if you really stop and think about what's happening here in this story, it's bizarre. I mean, guys, think how many of your wives would be happy giving birth in a cave because that's what took place. We were there just a couple weeks ago in the Holy Lands, giving birth in a feed trough surrounded by animals, taking that newborn baby and placing it in this feed trough. I guess Mary wasn't uh, a germaphobe, or maybe she didn't complain publicly, so it didn't make the written account. But behind the scenes, Joseph is probably in hot water. And those of you that were there a couple weeks ago when Linda was sharing some pictures and stories, that's a picture of what a manger would have looked like in a cave beneath a house where they would oftentimes you know, have kind of an overflow storage. Think of like an unfinished basement in our culture, but this was like a cave beneath a house where they would sometimes put animals in, and they placed Jesus in this, in this manger that looked like this. This is not an ideal situation. It's really kind of a bizarre situation. I don't know, but the story, the story shifts to the next scene. It says, kind of abruptly, it just goes to verse 8. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. We were also able to, to spend some time in the shepherd's fields where they routinely kept flocks outside the city. And it says that they were, they were living out there and, and keeping their, their flocks in the fields. And these were the shepherd's fields where they would keep sheep. And there's still some caves that, that we went in. You can go to the next screen a little bit. Some caves connected to these shepherd's fields where the shepherds would actually live as they were keeping watch and take turns sleeping as they were keeping watch over their flocks at the night. This was the place that this happened. We were able to be there. It was, it was exciting. It was awesome to see the Bible right in front of us. Verse 9, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. These words spoken by the angels are the words that the people have been waiting to hear that confirm what was said about the Messiah in the Old Testament. These weren't just random words. This wasn't just some unintelligible message. What are you talking about? What do you mean? This was a specific message, not a random message. And it was a powerful, meaningful message of good news and hope. The shepherds knew what the angels were talking about. This was the Savior that everyone had been waiting for. And then it says in, in verse 13, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared, and the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the only time in Scripture that there isn't a picture of a future event, but it's, it's actually something happening where we have a visible visitation of heaven on earth to this magnitude. This is something incredible that's taking place. This isn't one messenger angel that's appearing to someone. This is a host of angels that are glorifying God on earth as they would in heaven. Verse 15 says, When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I love the excitement and the joy that there was as a result of what they had heard. They couldn't keep it to themselves. This was proof and confirmation that God was keeping his promise. They were excited and amazed because something amazing had happened to them. Something incredible had happened to them. Probably at one time in your life or another, you can remember being this excited about what God was doing in your life. I love our celebration services when we have baptisms and new members and all of the excitement that comes along with it. They invite their families and people that they care about to celebrate with them. It's such an exciting thing to hear about God transforming someone's life. But sometimes after a while, if we aren't careful, after hearing the same message year after year, it seems like it gets old or we get used to hearing it. Caesar issued a decree. Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, the shepherds keeping watch over the flocks. All this stuff goes on. It just becomes a story that doesn't change us and doesn't create anticipation within us. And when that happens, we really need to evaluate the place that the Savior of that story has within us. I love verse 19. It says that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Think of all that Mary had seen and experienced. From the angel's message to her, likely the response that others would have had to her. She went on that 70-mile journey while she's over eight months pregnant and had to give birth in a cave and put her baby in a trough. And yet she sees the prophetic promise that God is fulfilling in these moments. She treasures up all these things in her heart and pondered them. I love that this is included not every response is the same. Not everyone is going to do the exact same thing. And no, no one response is the right response to what God is doing. Treasuring what God has done and is doing and reflecting on those things and pondering them 
in your heart is an incredible response. It's a great response in this season in our lives. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. That was my favorite part of going to the Holy Lands was seeing so many things that were just as they had been told. Things that no one that would have been able to write the scriptures hundreds of years later or removed from where they happened would have known about. Things that I, as a, as a Bible scholar and a Christian most of my life who have studied the Bible and grown up in church, didn't have any idea about at all, but it was just as they had been told. The story of, of Jesus and his birth and, and all that we see and celebrate and read is, is a story of God fulfilling his promise, a God who keeps his word to us. I want you to think about the story that we just read together, and I want to ask you, what does this story mean to you, and what does this season look like to you? Does it include good news like this? Is there a sense of great joy that comes from the Lord? Are you focused on the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord? Is there a sense of glory to God in the highest? Are those phrases meaningful in your gatherings? Are they accurate descriptions of you during this Christmas season? What is it that you are anticipating over these next few days? Are those accurate descriptions of, of what you're anticipating? Or just like so many people today, and it's so easy, I fall victim to it all the time. Have you allowed Christmas to become about the list of things that you need to buy? And the sale that you got to hit up on Black Friday and the one on Cyber Monday, and you got to be online on this website on this time because I got to get my kid this perfect present. And if I don't, he'll be mad at me all Christmas long. What am I going to do about my wife's family? We have this gathering and we have that gathering. We have to meet with the, this group of people for this party and our family on this day and a group of that family on that day. And I'm supposed to bring this thing on this day, but the other thing on the other day. And how are we coordinating? When are we all going to show up? And who's going to sleep where? Some of you just reminded of the depression that's waiting for you when you leave here. <laughs> we aren't careful, the majority of our Christmas can become much more about all those things than about the anticipation of a Savior, our Savior, the Redeemer of the world. And I'm not trying to be a cranky Christian at Christmas like I talked about last week. I'm not at all saying that shopping for gifts is a terrible thing or that family gatherings or going home for Christmas or any of that is all bad. All of those are great things in their place. But the question goes back to, what is it that you and I as Christ followers are anticipating this Christmas? That's really where I want us to stay today. I'm not going to give you five different points and five different questions. That's If you answer that question today, if you leave here with that resonating, maybe not even with an answer, but with that resonating within your heart, within your mind, and asking yourself, what am I anticipating today, then, then I think that's incredible. This isn't new news to most of us this morning. In fact, it may seem elementary to you, but the anchor for this sermon series that we kicked off last week is this idea that for Christ followers, home at Christmas is one that anticipates Christ. And that kind of seems simple. It's like, well, duh, of course it does. But tell me, 
tell me something I didn't know because it seems like it's obvious, but that's just the point. Is it though? Is it that obvious? Because it gets missed. We get caught up in other things, and I'm including myself in this because it happens to all of us. And here's just one, one example. And once again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not being a cranky, cranky Christian at Christmas. But I'm troubled more and more by what I hear on the radio around Christmas time. I listen to stations as I'm traveling or in the car, and, and here's what I hear. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer, right? <laughs> and it has something to do with, I don't know if someone spiked her eggnog, something to do with her eggnog. I don't know what happened, but it's, it's deeply concerning that grandma got ran over by a reindeer, right? And I really hope that she's okay, um, but, but that's, that's regular on, on the radio instead of a hit in our house. Um, there's another song called Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. You've heard it, right? And the problem that I have with this song is that as I think about the trees that I've set up and that I've had over the course of my 37 years of life, most of those trees at my house end up in the corner or against the wall, and it bothers me that I can't rock around it without running into a wall, right? How in the world are you supposed to rock around a Christmas tree? There's, there's a lot of people maybe that put their tree in the middle of the room and maybe they can actually rock around it, but that's not true in my house. And so I just can't rock around the Christmas tree. And then there's like some 80s songs, you know, some of you guys really enjoy these. Like last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And how dare the person give it back the very next day? Like what in the world? What kind of hard-hearted person is like, Merry Christmas, but we're over. <laughs> Again, I don't know the story. Maybe it was a first date, and maybe one person got overly committed, and that happens, and the other person got scared away because, because of that. But that still kind of bothers me. Like, what in all of Christmas world is happening? <laughs> and then the Beach Boys writing any Christmas song at all is kind of suspect, right? Yeah. What's it called? Little, little St. Nick? Way up north where the air gets cold. Like, what is that anyway? <laughs> Actually, they do get worse than that. How about hippopotamus? Oh, yeah. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yes. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. I sense that that's really poorly planned out. Like, this is not practical at all. Do you have any idea what a leash for a hippopotamus would cost, let alone milk and food or whatever it is that they eat? It's just not practical. I wouldn't like the snow either. No. There's the highest Christmas selling album of all time. Do you know what it is? Mariah Carey. No. And the hit song, All I Want for Christmas is You. And if my wife is singing that, then it's an amazing song. Other than that, I don't really care. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, what's the whole point of this exercise? Well, it's this, is that you can listen to Christmas music on the radio for hours. And once again, I'm not being a cranky Christian at Christmas, but almost zero about Christ. And I'm not here to whine and complain and ask you to boycott your local radio station. That's not it at all. That, that is the cranky Christian, music, Christian at Christmas movement. That may be strange to you, but that, here's the thing. It's really no surprise that people that want to celebrate, that don't have a relationship with Christ, don't want to sing about Jesus. 
Why would they want to sing songs about someone that they don't believe in? So they sing about Frosty and Rudolph and all those other things, and that's fine. That makes sense, actually. Like, why in the world would you want to sing about Jesus if you are opposed to Jesus? I'm not shocked or offended that a godless culture isn't anticipating Christ at Christmas. I'm concerned if we as Christ followers aren't. Because that doesn't make sense. If we say that Jesus is the Lord of our, our hearts and our lives, if we say that he has transformed us and changed us, then we, of all people, ought to be anticipating Christ at Christmas. It's no surprise for most that most people in our culture that Jesus is an afterthought or maybe something that people consider for a few moments in the midst of all the other things. But may it not be the same for us in our lives. Just like we anticipate a home filled with gifts and traditions and family and decorations, do we anticipate the arrival of Christ at Christmas? How do we create an anticipation of Christ in our homes? What kind of home are you creating? How much of your thoughts and activities reflect an anticipation of Christ? I want there to be in all of us this sense of what does it look like for me to anticipate Christ this Christmas? This is something that we do on a personal level. How in my life, how in my personal self can I anticipate Christ, have an expectation of all that God is going to do? It's also something that we do in our homes. It's something that we do in an environment that we create in our church. How does my anticipation of Christ contrast with the, the celebration of a secular worldview? Because for those of us in this room that claim to be followers of Christ, it should be more than just about Rudolph. And I'm not anti-Rudolph. I love singing silly songs and, and having fun and driving down the road with my kids. That's exciting. Do that. We decorate the house for Christmas. We're not anti-Christmas tree or any of that kind of stuff. I don't want you to think I'm the Christmas Grinch. It's okay to have fun and celebrate, but make sure that Jesus is at the center of the celebrations. We will give gifts and we'll eat lots of food and there'll be all kinds of silliness and fun, but it's also deeply meaningful when you reflect on what God has done through Christ so that you and I can experience joy and purpose and life and forgiveness in the midst of it all. So one of the purposes of this entire sermon series is to cause you to reflect on, on the celebration of Christ's birth and, and the atmosphere in your home. But the other is to be super practical and to give you some ideas of what other people are doing to create an anticipation of Christ and to establish a home that recognizes the true reason for celebration. So each week, we want to be super practical. We want to give you some ideas of how you can create a home that anticipates Christ. And last week we shared two ways. If you weren't here, I want to share them really briefly. We read John 1. That was what the sermon was about. Jesus, the light of the world that shines in the darkness. And we talked about how you can connect that to Christmas lights. And you can, you can talk about before you light your tree or before you go see Christmas lights. In my family, we would drive around for hours and go see neighborhoods that had contests of Christmas lights. And it was awesome. But we would always put it back to Jesus, the light of the world. Another thing I shared is that you could connect Christmas caroling to the responsibility that we have to share the joy and the good news with others. So you could bake a plate of cookies and remind your family that we need to share the good news about Jesus. You could pile everyone in the car and go to a friend or a neighbor's house and sing a Christmas carol about Jesus and give them a plate of cookies and invite them to Christmas at New Life next week and share the good news of Jesus with them. Those are two simple ideas we shared last week. 
We also asked everyone here last week and others through our social media to share some ways that you keep Christ at the center. And we got some really good ideas that I want to share with you today. Several families shared that they read Luke 2, which is what we read today, before they open their presents. One family shared that they watch a movie. <coughs> In fact, there were several different movies, but one family suggested the first, the very first Noel. Mike, I think that was your kids that said that. One family is is reading a chapter of Luke every night of December. A couple different families talked about baking Jesus a birthday cake, literally baking a cake and decorating it for Jesus. And that's a great idea, especially if you have kids at home or if you like cake, either way, <laughs> or both. Also, some people said that Jesus has his own stocking that's hung with the other family members. And instead of gifts and candy, prayers, or, or a letter to Jesus is something that they would put into his talking. What an incredible reminder that, that he's there. What a great way to anticipate Christ at Christmas. Some families, instead of looking for the elf on the shelf, they have a Mary and a Joseph or, or wise men that are looking for Jesus all over the house and they change where they're looking and all, have all kinds of fun with it. On, on Christmas, they find Jesus. Another person shared about gratitude cards. If you're expecting to have 10 people at Christmas, then make 10 cards for each person with their name on it. And everyone fills out a card for each person that's there with one thing that they're thankful for about that person. And it's just an incredible way to be, be thankful of other people. And then at the bottom or the backside or however you want to do it, one thing that you're thankful or your prayer that Christmas for that person. Or you're thankful that you see God doing in that person's life. There's different ways that you can anticipate Christ as Christmas. One is just by attending church. You're here this morning. Next Sunday is a big celebration. It's Christmas at New Life. Some families said they have a, a Christmas Eve service tradition. We don't have a Christmas Eve service, but we do have our family communion. And I encourage you to sign up for that. It's on this coming Wednesday, just a couple days away. You can sign up in the morning, at lunch, in the evening, whenever you want to come by yourself. You and your spouse, you and your kids, your entire family that's here from Timbuktu can all come however you want to do it. But just sign up for a time. It's about a 20-minute opportunity, and, and we just love, Melanie and I love, it's one of our most exciting parts of Christmas is getting to have those 15 or 20 minutes with every family in our church that will come and be a part and to reflect on what God has done in your family over the past year to look ahead to 2020 and a prayer for all that he's going to do in your life this coming year. We take communion together and pray a blessing over you and your family. We'd love to do that with you this Wednesday. The sign-up sheet's back there in the back. We hope that you'll come and be a part of that. We've talked about songs. Some of you love Christmas music. What if you intentionally create a, a playlist for Christmas on your Spotify or wherever you listen to music that intentionally includes songs that remind you of what Christ has done. Don't count on the, the radio station to play songs that have a meaning that reflects your beliefs. Another idea is that you can bless someone outside of your own family during Christmas. Part of our understanding at Christmas ought to be that God gave us the best gift that we could never have given ourselves. So we can be generous and we can give gifts to others. Celebrate Santa if you want to, but you should look up the story of St. Nick and find out that there's actually a deeper meaning to it if you look it up, and it's pretty exciting. That's why we give the opportunity for the heart of Christmas offering. If, if nothing else, if 
If you're looking for a way to give or, or be involved and serve others, then you can give through that. We've talked about it in the past couple weeks about serve the servants. And if you want to be a part of that, I encourage you. There's a Facebook group and all that kind of stuff. Several different churches in the community come together and they create a Christmas meal. They make a Christmas meal for all of the first responders in our community that serve not only on Christmas Day, but throughout the year. And it's an awesome meal for them and their families. And, and so we love being a part of that every year. It's on Christmas Day, so it may not work. But there's lots of ideas and things that you can do. Maybe it's your family that lives next door. Or maybe if you want to know of a family that would have a need this Christmas and you want to do something anonymously, come, anonymously, come and ask us. We have ideas of people that, that would be awesome for you to help and bless this Christmas. These are just some easy ways in the midst of fun and celebration to celebrate Jesus and to reflect on something else than just what's under the tree for me. Next week at Christmas at New Life, it's our goal to do just that. We want to have a living example and a demonstration of how to have fun and celebrate and honor Christ as a church family. We're going to give some ideas of what, what, what Christmas could look like at your house. So it's going to be a service unlike any other. We're going to have fun. We're going to play some games. We're going to have some special music. We're going to have a gift for all the kids and all the students. And if you can stay between the services at 10 o'clock, we're going to have a, a Christmas pancake decorating contest with a prize. Everyone can wear a festive Christmas sweater, and we're going to give a prize for the best one in each service. It's just going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to be Christ-centered. We're going to have a good time. I encourage you to be here. Invite someone to be here and be a part of it with you. But I also encourage you to, as you're planning and preparing the food and the sleeping arrangements and airport shuttles or whatever it is that you got to do to prepare for Christmas, that you plan and prepare. How are you going to anticipate Christ at Christmas this year? So the question we've asked, really the one question is, what is it that you're anticipating the most this Christmas? Is it Christ? I want to end with this story in 1986. Five-year-old Saru Khan and his 14-year-old brother were searching the streets for spare change in their home city in India. Saru's older brother, Gudu, he wandered beyond the station and Saru fell asleep waiting for his brother's return. Sometime later, Saru woke up 1,500 kilometers away in Calcutta. He survived on the streets for weeks. He was taken into an orphanage, eventually adopted by an Australian family. Saru grew up in, in Tasmania, but 26 years later, he found his way back to his hometown with the help of all things of Google Earth. An article explained how the 31-year-old found his way back home in 2011 using vague memories from, from when he was five years old and Google Earth imagery. He identified his hometown using the ruler feature in Google Earth he mapped out a search radius by making an educated guess about how far he traveled by train. After countless hours of scouring this area of Google Earth imagery, he came upon a proverbial needle in the haystack. He spotted one vague landmark that led him to the next, helping him unlock a five-year-old child's memories. He eventually spotted a neighborhood that he recognized, a street that he remembered, a tin roof that looked familiar. In Saru's words, it was just like being Superman. You're able to go over and take a photo mentally and ask, does this match? And when you say no, you keep going and going. In 2012, Saru 
embarked on a trip from Australia back to India. Once he arrived, he shared his story with locals who helped him find his way back home to his mother and his surviving brother and sister. 26 years after accidentally leaving home, he finally found his way back. There's something about going home. Today, you may be here and you may be in a long way from a relationship with God that you were created for. You've been searching and looking for a way home. Today, I want to tell you, you don't need to search on Google Earth to find your way home. You just need to accept God's gift. God's gift to you is the greatest that there ever will be. It's Jesus. Through Jesus, you can have a relationship with God. Your sins are forgiven. You can experience joy beyond anything that you'll find any, anywhere else. God created you for a relationship with him. And if that's what's missing in your life, then today you can come home for Christmas. And when you do, the joy and the excitement and the anticipation of Christ will fill your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I want to lead us to the simple prayer. I'm going to ask everyone here to repeat after me. And today, if you're here and you're, you're far from home, the home that God created you to have with him, the home that he desires to have in your heart, that I encourage you to pray this prayer along with the rest of us today to make Jesus the Lord of your life and begin the, the excitement and the joy and the anticipation of Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you loved me enough that you sent Jesus to earth so many years ago to be born in a manger, to live and die as a gift to me. Today I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe when he died on the cross, he died for my sin. And today I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head still bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, and your desire today is to be in a right relationship with Christ, you want to come home for Christmas, would you just slip your hand up right where you are and say, today I prayed that prayer and made Jesus Lord of my life, whether it's for the first time or whether you've wandered away that's you. Just slip up your hand. Anybody here today? Awesome. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. We thank you that you offer us life and joy and peace. And those are things that we celebrate at Christmas, but they're things that truly can only come from you. Lord, today, as we reflect on who you are and all that you've done, we reflect on the journey that you made from heaven to earth, the journey that Joseph and Mary made in obedience to a message that they received of good news, even though it inconvenienced their lives. Lord, they were filled with anticipation. We read about Mary treasuring these things in her heart and pondering on them. Lord, I pray that that same anticipation would fill our hearts and our lives and our homes this Christmas, that we would reflect on all that you've done, that we would treasure the things that you are doing and the things that you have done within our hearts, that we would ponder them and reflect upon them. Lord, that we would be a witness to the world around us for the reason of the joy and the hope that we have within us. God, I pray for families here today 
that maybe are even new in their relationship with you or they're navigating this, this first Christmas or the first couple Christmases of trying to establish a home that's filled with anticipation of Christ for their kids. Lord, I pray that you'd give them wisdom and creative ideas. God, I pray that our homes would, as we celebrate and have fun and amidst the silliness and the gifts and, and all the extra inconveniences, Lord, that we just wouldn't forget the anticipation of Christ. That we would find creative ways to keep our homes centered on who you are and all that you've done. Lord, that we would raise kids that love you and desire a relationship with you and understand the reason that we celebrate and the reason that we have joy in our lives. God, we thank you so much for who you are and all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.